Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Hello, everybody. This is New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery. Uh, we've got a crazy show today, right, Steve? That's going to be amazing. <laughs> All right. So today we got Steve Getney, um, and uh, we'll let him introduce himself there and tell us a little bit about his background, um, and then we'll get right into some of these questions I'm anxious to hear about uh, what you've got software-wise, what it impacts, and and just says something about Microsoft, so we'll see there. So go ahead, uh, Steve. All right, thanks for, for having me on. Um, as you said, I'm Steve Ginty. Uh, I work on uh, our threat intelligence strategy team here at uh, Risk IQ. Uh, and the goal is to, to really help organizations understand their risk prof- profile, uh, you know, what's attached to the internet, uh, how can actors leverage that uh, those uh, assets or vulnerabilities in, in that internet connected uh, infrastructure, and, and how do they make the best decisions to defend themselves uh, in what is a very dynamic threat environment and vulnerability environment uh, now. Uh, so background-wise, uh, I started off in the industry about 15 years ago. Uh, I was an analyst uh, focusing on investigating threats and bringing context to, to incidents uh, for organizations kind of across the spectrum. Uh, I've worked uh, as a government contractor. I've worked for some defense contractors, worked at private intel uh, groups. I've started my own company. Uh, and so uh, all over the all over the board, uh, and, and super excited to kind of t- talk to you today and uh, and see if I can uh, provide some interesting stories to your audience. Sweet, yeah, I mean, we're glad to have you in. So your risk IQ, I've I've had uh, some background in understanding risk IQ and the, the uh, threat modeling concept that it's bringing. Um, so it's uh, very interesting, and I, uh, I I think it's a a need for the industry, and um, I think cybersecurity. In its community, there's some gaps in there, and I think it's helping to fill those gaps as well. So, um, so this this uh, this concept of uh, using threat analysis, I guess it, it's it's solely proprietary to um, the internet connection, if you will. That's more or less where you guys prioritize the the whole vectors uh, of the nature of things. Nothing physical, like you know, not being able to break into your you know the complexity of cybersecurity. There's so many layers to the how to protect something that yep. you know it just gets it kind of gets out there so you got to got to focus down things right so yep. i mean tell us a little bit about the, the the concept of that so we take kind of what we'd like to call an outside in view uh, of organizations so most organizations you know they've been doing vulnerability management they've been doing asset inventory uh you know they, they've been taking the appropriate steps to understand patch management cycles um but where where we kind of see this rapid uh you know acceleration uh, and transformation of of organizations from a traditional uh, kind of uh, perimeter defense, and I own all my assets, and uh, you know, and I can I can put a, a firewall around them uh, and and defend them. You know, we're seeing a much larger transformation of organizations uh, into hybrid environments, into cloud environments. Uh, you know, and and a lot more things uh, now connected to to the internet. Uh, yeah, you know, you have cool. OT and IoT devices, and so oh, that, uh, you know that's blowing up, right? So much to manage, uh, yeah. and and hard for those traditional programs to to keep up. So what we try to do is scan the internet uh, on a daily basis, uh, and start to uh, attribute that infrastructure to organizations, so we can help them 
discover what they have connected to the internet. Uh, we can help them start to manage that and we can help them understand the risks of those different assets uh, that are on the internet. Uh, and maybe uh, to your point, where to prioritize, uh, you know, your response and your capabilities right. uh, as the, the threat environment changes. Yeah, no doubt. The threat environment is constantly changing. Zero day attacks are always evolving. Um, you name it. Uh, sounds like there's, we're always being surprised every corner we take. Um, and, and the massive trend of the business, uh, just the COVID itself over the last two years have actually pushed more of that onto um, support from the having internet connections from every facet, every residence, every every COVID and every little <laughs> little nick and cranny and you know, yeah, you think it's about like you got to have it everywhere now. So <laughs> all the devices that you know that were stood up uh, in support of you know remote work. Uh, yeah. You know, so so you have a lot of IT infrastructure that was that was stood up quickly. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, at organizations that we you know uh, that we we, we assist, uh, you know, they were all planning on this kind of move to the cloud, yeah. uh, and then COVID happened, and that you know accelerated plans that were you know five plus years long right. into, you know, three to six month time frame. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it really, uh, you know, uh, it really pushed people to, to be a lot more dynamic and, and, and in doing so there, uh, you know, there are obviously, uh, you know, maybe misconfigurations or, uh, you know, uh, equipment deployed that isn't appropriately patched or uh, isn't, you know, inventoried and, and managed appropriately. And therefore, uh, there are new avenues of, uh, you know, of attack for, for threat. Yeah, it always seems like there's new vectors out there. And a constant uh, reiteration of the older ones, versions. I know hackers are not going to just, just because it's old, it's just, don't worry about that one. Uh, we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to pursue that attack. It doesn't matter. So yeah, it's any, any edge they can get in on and they'll, you know, and these days the probability of hacking is, you know, way further, way more uh, imminent than, you know what there was 10 years ago yeah and this is a big business now about hacking so i mean now yes. more than ever there's there's a lot of money something that <laughs> yeah that we need that threat modeling faster more more relevant more effective now than ever so i can understand those factors behind that so um steve we're gonna take a little break here um and, and uh we'll be right back as we uh, hear from our sponsors BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. I'm your host, Tim Montgomery, and we were talking with Steve here. Uh, he's an analyst. You're heading... Are you a director? Are you? Um, I'm, I'm currently focused on our strategy efforts. Ah, uh, strategy so efforts. Working so. with our Intel teams and our customers to really help them. So you're really the in the weeds there, right? So, and you were talking about the, how the risk IQ, and we were talking about the depth of hacking and what kind of, in today's world, today's modern world, right? So um, it, it, the concept is just it, the need for such a thing and the concept of threat modeling uh, to do something more efficiently, more active in a, a more persuasive manner with less, uh, I guess, 
less dollars, if you will, less FTEs, less people, um, more yep. effectiveness, things like that. So the concept is certainly out there in businesses. Uh, and I know if you own a business out there, anybody, uh, people are always looking for uh, a better way to do things. Uh, so this is this is one of those effective means to to kind of see something, be able to do it and not have to have uh, the extensive knowledge all the time. And, and being able to get that support, right? Yeah, so, we're, I mean, we're really trying to leverage our expertise, uh, and you know the fact that we focus on this on a daily basis to, to you know to be a force multiplier to to organizations. Yeah, now, you mentioned you know everything is uh, you know uh, if you look at 2021, we've seen over 60 uh, zero days caught in the wild so far. Uh, we still have uh, you know 25 days left of the year. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Still a lot of time, uh, right? <laughs> uh, but that totally eclipses 2020, where I think it was it was sub 40, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so we're you know uh, we're seeing a, a significant increase in things that organizations have to prioritize, even right. So how yeah. do you keep up with that? As uh, you know, some of our customers are large and they have big teams, and so they have the capability to keep up with that. Uh, but how do smaller teams do that? We're really trying to you know, yeah. provide that intel overlay to those organizations and their infrastructure to say. You know, these are the these are the the, the pain points. If you're worried about ransomware, you know, we know these actors use these avenues of attack, and and this is an area you should uh, you should focus on. Or you know, here are the you know the the, the latest and greatest vulnerabilities that actors are targeting. Uh, you know, where is it in your environment? We can start to point you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like with small businesses, they don't have the you know the the, the like you said the force multiplier. They don't have the force. Uh, not like uh, like you would say on a DOD contract where, you know, um, a Lockheed Martin or a Jacobs or Northrop Grumman would come in with a series of 400 individuals and, you know, 100 of those would be all the cyber people and we've got this massive cert uh, that's playing into the, you know, the big giant grid of the DOD. But, uh, but that, I think those are things that actually are coming where there's uh, individuals like you and I who uh, come out of that and um, we have the knowledge. And so we're, you know, like your company is bringing up that ability to, to give that small, pr productive, effective component uh, back to the little guy, I guess you could say the small business components are being able to plus up, uh, which makes yep. them more competitive, um, also protecting them too. So um, I can see where, you know, th this is such a, a good way of, of, of allowing individuals to try to, like you said, the gap that it would close, especially if you didn't have the the forces to do such a thing. Um, yeah, we saw, and we saw that with the with the exchange vulnerability. Uh, you know, you had organizations that were you know, that were uh, didn't know where you know where their exchange server was, didn't know that it wasn't had been patched in in years. Yeah. You know, yeah, hadn't really been paying attention, and you know, being able to uh, to pinpoint where it was. Tell you know, we were sending emails to ISPs and others saying, "Hey, these are these are places you have to focus." Uh, it's not a lack of, of wanting to, uh, you know, to, to do, you know, the right thing. It's sometimes a lack of visibility, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. And therefore, right. uh, you, you know, if you're one or two, you know, security people, uh, yeah. how do you prioritize it? Really, you know, uh, we've made the move from obviously our main focus for a while was, uh, you know, was global 2000 organizations with larger teams. Uh, and we've slowly started to, uh, to bring a product to market that, that helps kind of the, uh, you know, the, the mid tier uh, segment uh, in our Illuminate platform, uh, where we're kind of telling you where the you know uh, where the bad things are that you should focus on, and yeah. so that you don't have to manage the entire uh, you know attack service. You can manage the most important pieces of your attack service and prioritize them. Yeah, that that that's certainly something I think interest would interest multiple multitude of individuals, especially 
uh, not, you know, the budgets, things like that, that will, you know, that you're going to have uh, be able to put forth, forth efforts towards safeguarding, especially on the internet. So, and then the focus of the internet, uh, the connections and devices, like we said, were, you know, spot on to the concept of majority of people, if they're going to do business, they got to be on the internet. They've got to be able to do business. On the internet. So that's, that's, yes, that's it's a primary, you know, it's a primary avenue to most of your customers nowadays. So it's not a, you know, it's a, it's a need to have. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, you know, you're seeing a lot more focus on uh, on cybersecurity. You're also seeing a lot more focus on on actors leveraging, uh, you know, vulnerabilities inside of organizations because yeah. it is now more of a need to have than a, than a nice to have, right? Yeah. So this concept of uh, you said that we you were talking about Microsoft. Can you tell me a little bit what's going on there? So. Uh, uh, so yeah, RiskIQ uh, as of, uh, of August of this year. Uh, had an agreement for to to be acquired by Microsoft, which was uh, fully closed out uh, in September, uh, and so we are now a subsidiary of uh, of Microsoft, and uh, we're excited. We're, we're we're excited for for what the future holds, and uh, to to bring this kind of attack service capability uh, to a broader market. Uh, you know, I think you you keyed on this a few minutes ago. Is uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations that don't have the uh, you know the, the people or the capability to 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 defend their environment right. as they would like, and therefore. Uh, you know, as specialists in this area, uh, our focus is how do we how do we take that capability and the reach of Microsoft and, and allow uh, more organizations to be effective uh, using our technology. Um, and so that's really the the excitement from my side is uh, is how do we expand this capability uh, and the reach of it uh, so that we can make uh, a broader swath of the market uh, more secure. Uh, and so, so I mean, I'm I'm assuming that Azure is going to be the primary target for such such a uh, you know, projects to inter integrate such things into such modeling sure. and that, that yep. source. So cloud is, I mean, it's basically what, by 2025, they say, what, 50% of everyone's data will actually be in a cloud somewhere, which we all know the cloud is just someone else's computer. Right? So. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, so there, there'll, be, there'll be certainly uh, a close tie in there. Uh, we're actively working out how, you know, uh, how that comes together now. So, uh, you know, we've, we've only been officially a part of the family uh, for about three months, so yeah. everybody's just getting their bearings. Um, I got you. Uh, but we're, you know, we're excited about about finding out how we, uh, you know, how we can integrate. Uh, and our goal is to, you know, to have have something available, you know, uh, in the larger Microsoft ecosystem by uh, July of uh, of next year. Uh, but we currently have a full integration with uh, with their Azure Sentinel uh, product uh, that we, we that existed even before for the acquisition. Uh, yeah. So a, a lot of uh, you know joint customers and current customers. Can can already get that uh, that uplift. So we're uh, we're very excited about the opportunities ahead. So it sounds like Microsoft will take take what you've got and expand on it because I know that integration between their products and other products are going to be a necessity, especially with the type of customer sets that usually have a hybrid of, of different cloud components anyway. So uh, yeah. I know that's a necessary means to actually be able to to work and and be able to be effective with the piece of application that you're using, especially in the cloud cloud services. Correct, and the visibility piece is really, you know, is really the uh, the piece that, that helps a lot, right? We we can, you know, we have global visibility of of things connected to the internet. Uh, if we don't have visibility on them, we can deploy signatures uh, to detect those devices uh, in in short order or uh, or get some telemetry on them, and therefore uh, we can help, uh, you know, a broader swath of customers really understand, uh, you know, uh, new vulnerability comes out, new avenue of attack, uh, where is it? How prevalent is it on the internet as a whole? 
what industries uh, may it be targeting. Uh, so you can get that better context about how to respond. Not every vulnerability is going to be impactful to every organization. Uh, and so we're hoping to, to help guide organizations so that they can spend their resources wisely. Yeah, do you, where do you see the biggest kind of biggest vectors for when you do threat modeling, uh, especially this type of application? I mean, I, you're talking consistently about devices that are connected to the internet. But I mean, you guys have a robust mechanism like the wireless portion, or do you uh, get more into something as, uh, as your connections go on and what kind of threat vectors, where do you see the biggest premises? Uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit uh, all, all over the place. You know, primarily in the last year, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, VPN devices and, and remote, uh, legacy remote access devices have, uh, have been a key avenue uh, of attack. Uh, you know, this year, exchange and mail servers, uh, you know, uh, was an issue, you know, and we're also seeing as people move to the cloud, uh, you know, misconfigurations and deployments uh, that can cause that can cause issues. Uh, yeah. So those are kind of the two primary areas. I think if I'm looking at the future, you know, we see a lot of uh, IoT devices uh, being deployed and used yeah. inside of organizations, internet connected printers, cameras, uh, you, you know, you name it. Uh, and those are being, you know, we're seeing those consistently being rounded up in botnets for DDoS attacks and different things. Yeah. And, and so there's, uh, you know, the attack service just keeps seeming to expand. Yeah, the censorship and some of the things in the, uh, some of the companies I've seen in the past about the electronic devices, especially for healthcare, has, has exploded. Um, I think yeah. healthcare in itself has gone mobile and just the devices that have to be interconnected in order to provide that type of care uh, on a consistent basis. Uh, with the right telemetry, like you know, the right configurations, the right components that will feed that telemetry back to the, the medical uh, industries, so that they create uh, the right answers for their patient care. So um, certainly, certainly, and, and, and yeah, the Bluetooth, the the wireless concept, the um, I mean, just the uh, we were talking about a domain. There's a couple of concepts about how the wireless now is starting to uh, look at the. How the thresholds of, of wireless outside versus an interior part of components. So if I was sitting in a building, uh, you know, if you had a, a building of three and you had a threat vector of the concept of what goes over the over your wireless or how another wireless can penetrate into your wireless, there was all kinds of these different concepts about how threat modeling uh, could be, you know, what vectors the threat modeling could have. So. Yeah, and you see, yeah, I mean, and we haven't even really gotten into kind of 5G uh, and kind of next next generation in, in you know, cellular technology, and therefore, yeah. you know, the ability to connect more things, uh, uh, you know, sh should grow in the future. And, and therefore, you know, again, uh, what wasn't maybe planned for from a security model uh, in some of these IoT devices or even, uh, you know, bringing manufacturing online, uh, we're, we're going to just see kind of expanded attack surface. And what, I mean, as far as Microsoft finding out, there's the concept behind the bigger footprint and uh, the analogy. Yeah, I mean, in your company, you you see the uh, what's the? I guess there's a true benefit to besides the the concept of global. Other benefits might improve the, uh, the ability to develop something. The integration, I'm assuming, and those concepts will come along as long as you guys develop this interrelationship. So. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we we have uh, you know we have kind of as RiskIQ planted our flag in the the external visibility uh, of an organization as it's connected to the internet. Um, Microsoft obviously has uh, you know Defender and Endpoint telemetry and, and yeah. things that uh, that our data can complement to to allow organizations to to make better decisions. Uh, and so we're really focused on you know bringing you know their in, internal visibility for an organization or, or a customer 
and, and pairing that with our external visibility to give organizations kind of a 360 degree view uh, of what, uh, you know, of what threat is. So you, I mean, in uh, the other, I guess, the impact behind cybersecurity into other industries, you see any major concerns there as far as future advancements in the way threat modeling is going to inevitably change? Or, I mean, in the concepts of the, that you have now, do you see, um, I mean, the methods they've got. So simple factors are you, you, you analyze by connecting components together, look at the risk factors that are possible, and then you go down those avenues. I mean, do you see anything challenging-wise in the future, concerns that you would have that, that would trend future efforts to change? And what, do you, what are those changes? Uh, yeah, you know, I think um, the, the dynamic nature of, of attack services is going to be something that's, that's interesting, right? We're, we're moving things to the cloud, uh, and therefore, you know, those are not static uh, assets all the time. Yeah. Uh, those can be spun up and spun down, uh, you know, based on, on a, a specific workload or need. Yeah. Uh, and therefore, I think that, um, you know, that's something that we, we are constantly thinking of uh, and, and clearly an area where, uh, where Microsoft is thinking, you know, obviously with Azure, but their multi-cloud um, push to have visibility and help organizations manage that. Uh, and so, you know, the, uh, you know, bringing the two kind of capabilities together is, uh, is an area where, where Microsoft brings a lot of value to, to our visibility uh, in the cloud realm. Uh, and so I think that dynamic nature of, of assets uh, as we, we transition more to the cloud environment uh, will be something uh, that all organizations have to, have to struggle with and, and that uh, cybersecurity will have to adapt, uh, right? You'll have something that, that exists for a you know, finite amount of time uh, and that is then destroyed. How do you deal with artifacts uh, you know, for, for instant response? Uh, you know, how do you understand uh, what, what's taking place uh, on something uh, when you only identified the breach you know, days weeks, months yeah, after, hours. Uh, you know, and, and so, uh, you know, I think we're, we're, we're currently seeing that, uh, that trend uh, and, and uh, organizations are starting to respond to it and it's only going to get worse. Yeah, you're right. I think they're, uh, uh, we're in for a, a dynamic change here soon, uh, the way the threat vectors and the, the uh, just technology picking up and accelerating at a certain point. So, um, and certainly the amount of, uh, threat actors that we seem to be imposing, especially on a nation state like the United States. So um, I know every day it's, it's a constant role of, of trying to prevent or detect or, or, or you know, use, use what you have as dialogue to yep. figure out where, where it's coming from and what exactly are we going to do to react to this. I mean, so, there's, the good thing is there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of information, a lot more conversations about these types of attacks, uh, both, uh, you know, crime and espionage related, uh, you know, in the, in the public realm nowadays. And so organizations have more information available to them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that, uh, that we've seen over 2020 and 2021 that is, is interesting is, uh, is the time compression uh, around new vulnerabilities. Uh, so if you look at um, you know, I think it was in late August, early September, uh, Atlassian announced a remote code execution vulnerability in their uh, Confluence uh, product. Uh, and if you timeline, uh, you know, release of, uh, of announcement uh, through uh, active exploitation, uh, it was, you know, patch was released. And I think it was a seven day window between patch being released and someone reverse engineering it, POC code being available and ransomware actors using it at that kind of seven day mark. Yeah. Uh, and that that is uh, that is you know new for a lot of organizations I think, uh, whereas you would you would expect more advanced actors to, to to use those vulnerabilities to target organizations, 
Uh, you're now seeing the ransomware groups get in the game very quickly. Yeah. And, and so, you, you know, that type of prioritization, prioritization and understanding of that time compression uh, is key for, for organizations to react appropriately. Yeah, and I think you're right. The, there's more cooperation among different groups now. It, it's, it's. Uh, I know in the past, like Target, um, that company, uh, you know, kind of getting their hands slapped and breach idea. No one wants to show that they had a breach. But these days, I think uh, they're using that information internally. Uh, it's a more cooperative measure among groups and, and businesses to really transpose that into an answer for people especially when we need to react faster and that this seemed to be, there was no uptake on it. So. Yeah. And I think you're seeing, you know, the, uh, the Biden administration and some of the executive orders that have been pushed out uh, that are, uh, you know, that are pushing, uh, you know, CISA and, uh, and the private sector to, to yeah. collaborate uh, more closely and kind of uh, position you know, government organizations to, uh, to have a, a, you know, a, a better patch cycle for, for critical vulnerabilities. All of oh, that yeah. is kind of, kind of helping, you know, and all of that kind of, transparency is helping, I think, uh, you know, the broader market understand the implications of a lot of these attacks, yeah. uh, but, but also kind of accelerating collaboration. Yeah. And do you see the collaboration getting better? I mean, I think, I think the collaboration is actually, from my perspective, being from the DOD and contracting world to being a federal government employee, um, I think I start to see the trends of companies being able to pick up and target and be able to transverse uh, with a, a fluid motion. Um, so I think the groups are starting to understand their parts um, and eventually, I mean, do you see that perspective? Yeah, I think the, you know, the coordination and kind of the leadership that we've seen from, from CISA itself has, has really helped push that, you know, public private partnership. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of trust in, in that organization. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, you know, larger groups, Risk IQ, Microsoft, others, you know, are, uh, are collaborating, uh, you know, with the government to, uh, you know, to ensure visibility on vulnerabilities and threat actors, uh, et cetera. And so I, I do think it's, it's getting better. It's hard to gauge because it does seem like, no. you know, the, uh, you know, the, the tempo of attack is, uh, you know, or attacks are, are, you know, much greater now, uh, yeah. but you're balancing, you know, is it just, we're talking about it more? I think there's a bit of that to it, right? There's a little yeah. more, uh, as you pointed out, you know, people discussing and disclosing, yeah. Uh, and also, you know, the attacks are getting a little more, uh, you know, brazen. And so you're seeing a, a little more government response, you know, specifically if you look around ransomware and colonial pipeline and, and some of these other ones. Yeah. And is that, I mean, how much the impact to the, uh, you know, your risk IQs concept to the threat modeling? I'm sure the analysis becomes, you get greater resources to, to validate from, uh, which means turnaround time is quicker uh, when you start talking about how to prevent stuff. You know, I mean, from my perspective, the, you know, the, the consistent dialogue, whether it's, you know, privately amongst researchers and, and organizations yeah. uh, or publicly with, you know, with, with, uh, with the government sector and other private sector organizations is helpful, right? Uh, you know, I have a purview as RiskIQ into what's taking place, uh, but I don't have all the information. So I can leverage additional information about threat actors, and vulnerabilities and groups that are leveraging those uh, to better inform my customers and to better, you know, help them make those risk decisions. So. Uh, you know, I think more information in this in this regard from a community perspective can be helpful because I can add on to the information you know that uh, that another group puts out. Uh, you know, whether yeah. it's internal to you know to Risk IQ or Microsoft or it's FireEye and Mandiant or, or or whoever it may be. Uh, you know, we can all add to the conversation and kind of uh, you know uh, give our our point of view that that could help organizations. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you guys are interwoven, interwoven as much as we are into all the other, uh, you know, beneficial, the information that comes out from those groups. Yes. And we keep eyes on uh, a lot of things. So um, I actually uh, work for Component back um, on the backside of the TSA uh, to, to support their systems. Um, so we're not necessarily the CISA, but uh, we are part of Homeland Defense. Um, and so most people think of TSA as the individuals when you go through the through the airport, right? So yeah. uh, there's there's a lot more to that than just uh, than than just being TSA and, and the TSA uh, employee that does your screening at the front gate there. So um, there's there's a lot of systems in the background that go into yep. making sure that those systems are functional. So and a lot um, of assessment, like there's a whole wing that does it, that helps government organizations on assessment, security assessments, and everything, right? Yes, there is, and believe me. I'm going through some of it right now. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so, what I think the uh, the the top uh, you know 300 or whatever active exploitive vulnerabilities that the government put out recently and that you know uh, CISA is adding to, I think, is a really great resource uh, yeah. for you know industry and even you know my intelligence group. Right? Okay, we yep. know you know of all of these vulnerabilities we you know we see, we know there's only a, a smaller tranche of them that are actively exploited. And, you know, if we can start from a from a basis of known bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, it helps, it helps manage it better. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah. you know, we leverage those resources and the information coming out of, uh, you know, government uh, constantly. Yeah. And, I, and that's what I'm saying, the sharing of information, uh, you know, there's thresholds, of course, limitations, but uh, the information I think designated uh, by CISA, um, I think uh, the government actually did the right thing in this case and, and enabled, enabled a certain inst institution, if you will, um, yep. to actually hone this. Uh, so that way the information source information can go to multiple locations and then it can be gathered from multiple locations. So you've got your small business, your corporate to uh, NSA, to your intelligence groups, things like that. So I see that as a plus, a win to collaborate, collect, and be able to dynamically Certainly. produce information that shows the threat vectors, shows how the modeling and how the impact, um, and then be able to use like a piece of software like you guys have got as a platform to be able to utilize that on an internal measure um, through Microsoft or whatever the platform is to be able to support your small business, everybody, right? It goes out to everybody. And the ability to turn that around yeah. and, and especially in, in a couple of hours, I'm assuming that you could put a threat model out on a new system within an hours versus, I mean, what's the technical term? It usually takes two, two to three people, which is their full-time jobs, <laughs> 40 to 60 hours or something like that. So, we, I mean, it's usually something where it transposes where it takes a few days to get this uh, to really sync up and, and then you've got to tune it. So, you know, there's these things that happen in the, in the real yeah. world scenario where this is going to speed it up quite exponentially and cost, you know, far less when we talk about uh, just the process of getting there. So. That, that's exactly it. You know, I mean, we have technical limitations to our collection grid. So, you know, timelines yeah. can be. Uh, can can be extended, but you know if we've already detected and, and uh, you know if we know systems and have signatures in place to detect certain systems, uh, you know we've already processed that information and can and can point you to it right away. Yeah. If we don't have the detection, you know we're we're looking at kind of 24 to 72 hours uh, to get signatures and, and collection in place. But still, uh, you know that can be that can be a pretty quick turnaround for organizations who are who are working in 30, 60, 90 day patch cycles. Yeah. Right? So we can get them the right information. Uh, you know, as quickly as possible or point them in the right direction. And that's our goal. We're not going to have the answer every time, 
um, but but we can we can help kind of uh, prioritize things and point our customers in the right direction. Yeah, this is true. Uh, we're going to go to a break right now, and uh, we'll be right back. Blockframe technology offers next generation blockchain managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. New Cyberfronts here. I'm your host, uh, Tim Montgomery, and I have with us again um, an analysis at Risk IQ um, acquired by Microsoft here last August. So a few months back, sounds like intriguing stuff moving forward. Uh, great for the business, I'm assuming, uh, uh, to be able to be a part of whatever Microsoft decides they're going to do with their platforms. I, I've seen uh, a few companies uh, that got, you know, intertwined and ate up basically and, and basically integrated and renamed. And, you know, I'm not sure what your guys' agreement is, but uh, nonetheless. <laughs> we, we will see. We will see. Uh, but we're excited, excited for what the future holds. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and the scale that, that they bring in the platform kind of capabilities. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And so we'll be figuring it out over the next couple of months, but uh, but the excitement is, is, you know, as we've been talking about, being able to bring this capability to a broader audience, uh, I think is really needed nowadays and, uh, in, in, you know, and what we're seeing. And so, uh, uh, you know, even more opportunity in the future. Yeah, that's, no doubt. Um, you know, and then we go to cloud. Uh, we talked a little bit about cloud there. I just wanted to, I guess, double down or focus more on the, the concept of cloud. I know majority of customers and the, the majority of our small businesses are probably going to pick up in cloud somewhere. And I think that's where initially our industry, as far as IT goes and staffing, um, we're going to get more dynamic, more fluent with mobility, um, if you will. And so cloud is going to be a major component uh, where we're not necessarily going to have data everywhere, but data in the cloud and then interface to which I think in the 80s, it was intentionally meant to be that way, but eh, the construct, the infrastructure, the, the technologies, just, yep. uh, we had it flip-flopped, I think, right? Analog to digital, digital to analog. Um, everything, so, everything that old is new and everything that's new is old, right? Yeah, yeah. So the concept has <laughs> always been there, but it's like, how did we make that work? And so new interquays of things. And uh, I had a gentleman, uh, uh, last interview I had was, uh, he was talking about quantum computing. So, I mean, the vectors and the idea behind light, light diodes, and uh, uh, all these different uh, substances that are used as technologies and baselines, you know, the hardware components um, to play into uh, the use of quantum computing. So, I mean, you can only imagine the the analysis behind threat vectoring uh, or modeling and those concepts. So, you guys, I mean, what's your interest, your future interest in, I guess, cloud computing and then the concept behind you know, quantum, have you, have you kind of entertained the idea are, anywhere? We are firmly uh, planted in the, uh, in, uh, in the existing uh, and cloud infrastructure that organizations have. Oh, sure. uh, it's well, probably well beyond uh, my capability to speak to, uh, to, to quantum computing at all. Um, <laughs> so I will, uh, I will defer to, to experts like your previous uh, panelists uh, on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
uh, uh, hopefully my mind doesn't explode when we, uh, when we, when we try to have to figure out how to respond to incidents in that, uh, in, in that environment. Uh, you know, it's new. Uh, it's I think really we new. have plenty of opportunity in uh, in the move to cloud at the moment, uh, and so uh, you know that's obviously the the excitement around uh, you know around uh, yep. joining up with Microsoft. Even the concept of cloud and the cloud uh, computing alliance uh, was talking about changes in the cloud, uh, its convergence uh, with hardware, and its inability or ability to emulate virtuality. You know the virtual concept. Yep. Um, especially with uh, VMware and uh, different uh, components or platforms, uh, actually containers, yep. yeah, all, yeah. All the, the ability to actually isolate, uh, even down to the application itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, so um, and I'm assuming that you know your your risk IQ concepts and and things of that analysis when they go through those traditional uh, vectoring and modeling and uh, just the analysis of risk, you know that those are all. All flourish and uh, fluent within. But I'm assuming that as we go along, and you'll see this capability expand um, into the cloud more and more and more. And you know these things will. Yeah, we're kind yeah. of we're along the journey with our customers from from legacy IT environments into into a hybrid and you know maybe fully cloud environment. Uh, and and as we go, you know the 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 scanning technology is uh, you know uh, is is universal to uh, you know IP space that is uh, you know. But it's owned by an organization or owned by a cloud provider uh, where someone spun up uh, you know, different assets. So we use the same technology to deploy signatures. And yeah. as new technology comes out, we deploy new signatures and our analysts dig in to find new ways uh, to, to detect these things. So you know, it, is, uh, it is always evolving, um, yeah, you know, but evolving. I think the technology uh, allows us to be, be flexible. And as organizations move to the cloud, uh, we can use the same technology we've used to, to scan and fingerprint their their existing infrastructure and legacy infrastructure, and start scanning for uh, you know for cloud-based assets uh, and uh, and different attack vectors uh, that may you know that 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 new cloud environment may pose. May pose. Yeah, that's interesting. I just it, it's a, it's an awesome idea behind the uh, what what you're utilizing, uh, just to be able to use a piece of software effectively like that. I know the the initial concept behind uh, threat modeling is take is take it takes time, uh, but that. You know, most companies and even cybersecurity professionals, you know, that's not something we have, especially when it comes to the threats and being able to push out a patch or uh, harden something uh, to be able to stop the attack, basically, right? So, I mean, those are the concepts that we're always battling against. Yep. How do you make this more efficient? Um, and with something that, and I know traditionally there's probably going to be some automations uh, as they play into, uh, and some IA, probably some uh, smart thinking in there in that concept yep. and things like that so um so i mean i guess what what are some of the things i guess you want people to know about because uh, we're running out of time here so uh some of the biggest things in uh about your uh, piece of software there or risk iq in general threat modeling anything i mean your audience what do you like them to, to kind of know and summarize of what we kind of chatted about here today yeah, I think it's been a great it's been a great back and forth, a great conversation. So I appreciate it. Um, I think kind of the key takeaways for for me and our visibility and risk IQ is obviously, uh, you know, organizations' assets are uh, you know that are connected internet connected assets are expanding. Uh, their footprint is expanding based on business requirements uh, and based on this transition from you know from traditional uh, perimeter infrastructure into a, a, a hybrid or cloud environment. Uh, and so kind of you know our, our threat models are changing. Actors are taking notice of, of this, you know, rapid transformation for organizations. Uh, and, 
uh, you know, visibility, uh, you know, is key for, for responding to, to incidents. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's always a, you know, a vulnerability in the wild. There's actors that are looking for holes in your infrastructure. Uh, you know, there is certainly big money now in ransomware, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and, and so uh, I think the key for the key takeaway for me is, you know, that visibility is key in this regard, as you're making this, uh, you know, as organizations are making these moves from, you know, legacy infrastructure to, to the cloud. Uh, and they're going to need that visibility, uh, you know, across both cloud and, and legacy assets for a long time. Uh, but even organizations that are, you know, that, that are cloud native uh, and that are, are starting out in the cloud are, are still going to have avenues uh, of attack, misconfigurations, devices deployed that are vulnerable uh, that, uh, you know, that, that they manage or even that their cloud provider manages that they need awareness uh, for. Yeah. Uh, so so that, uh, that's, that's the, you know, the first step. Uh, and then being able to, to take those vulnerabilities uh, or avenues of attack and map them to, you know, bad actors who you may be worried about uh, to prioritize uh, you know, you're already taxed, uh, you know, vulnerability management or IT admin teams yeah. uh, is really the thing we hear, right? You know, yeah. the, the vulnerability yeah. team wants to know like, okay, how serious is it? How, you know, what's yeah. the context around this new thing? How much time do I have, right? Yeah, exactly. uh, and that is, that's really the key, the key question uh, where we want to bring this threat actor information and this vulnerability information together for organizations. Yeah. How do I make better decisions quicker? Uh, and if you're, you know, right. if, if anything I've said uh, piques your interest today, uh, we have kind of a free uh, community uh, that anybody can register for, uh, community.riskiq.com, uh, that allows you access to some of our data. Uh, it could allow you to trial uh, a 30-day trial of our Illuminate platform, which provides a very you know uh, rough baseline capability of what your footprint looks like. Uh, and so you know we're we're starting to provide the tools where where you could uh, you could get answers to some of the questions uh, that that you know have been posed in this conversation. Uh, so key takeaway: if this is interesting to you. Uh, feel free to go check out our, our community, uh, register for an account. Uh, the community, uh, you know, after the 30-day trial, you'll still have access to some of our data and capabilities. Uh, so I think it's well worth, uh, you know, anyone checking out. Yeah, you just, if you Google Risk IQ, I think it all comes up for you, right? That is correct. Okay, good job. Um, all right, well, that's, that's it for us this round, our session. Uh, new cyber frontier and uh, until next time thank you steve so much for uh being on and uh sharing your knowledge and information and talking a little bit about uh risk and <laughs> and the cybersecurity world right so, i really appreciate the time thanks for having me on yeah all right so that's it for our edition thank you and uh, we'll see you next time we hope you have enjoyed this episode of new cyber frontier remember to get involved Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.